Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome. So glad you came to worship with us this morning. All right. Well, we are in a sermon series called Stand Your Ground. We're in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 2. Um, we're kind of getting to that point. Uh, we've talked about how Jesus launched his ministry and started ministry. And now we're getting to the point where he's ministering, but he's, he's coming up against some challenges. Uh, some questions from religious leaders of the time. And we're going to see Jesus stand his ground. Um, the things that he says, the thing that he does, the things that he does will come into question by these religious leaders over and over again. And over and over again, we're going to see Jesus stand his ground. What he says is true. Who he is and who he claims to be, the Messiah, is true. That's who he is. He's going to stand his ground. And um, it's, it's going to be a, a great thing as we go over this the next few weeks. Uh, th what we're going to be talking about this morning, though, um, how many people here are sports fans? Anybody? All right. Yeah, Browns fans. And uh, maybe I shouldn't talk about that because, uh, you know, they're done for the year. But um, maybe Cleveland Indians fans, right? Or not the, the what are they now? The... Guardians, that's right, the, the Guardians now. But um, I, love, I love watching teams work together. When, it, when a plan comes together and you practice, and you have different jobs that everybody's doing, and everybody comes together and they do their specific job and something amazing happens. I love seeing great teamwork. I, so I watch all kinds of sports, basketball, baseball, soccer when I want to take a nap, and um, even golf there every once in a while. That joke's out there for Joe Novak, wherever he is, soccer fan. But anyways, no, I, I love watching those things, watching people work hard, work together, and do things that are amazing. Today, when we look at Mark chapter 2, we're going to see some guys that work together, and something truly amazing happens when they do. So let's pray together before we jump into God's Word in Mark chapter 2. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, God, that it is truth, unquestionable truth come straight from you, Father. We pray that it would um, take deep roots in our hearts. God, that by the power of your Spirit, you would change us, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in because we've met with our Creator. We've been changed by your Spirit, Father. So have your way this morning. I pray that you would use me. Give me the words to share for your glory and your kingdom and our good. We submit to you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's look at this in a Mark 2 here. It starts out this way. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. He's probably at Peter's home, actually. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately... Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. 
And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. What, a, what an account we have here in Scripture of, of Jesus' power and authority. An amazing, amazing account. The first thing I, I kind of want us to, to think about in this story is the first fill-in in your notes, and it's this. We all need strong and determined friends. We all need strong and determined friends. Sometimes we come to God on a stretcher, not of our own strength or faith, but the faith and strength of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I get an amen? We all need strong and determined brothers and sisters in Christ. When we started this journey of having a building, you know, this, the base camp, our new building we're getting ready to move into, I think, I forget how many weeks it is, like 10 or 11 weeks out from moving into our new building. Uh, we, we talked about what it would look like and all of these ideas and different things. And let me just tell you, over the time and the planning that has gone into this, I don't, I don't know how many people have spoken into this, but we have had architectural firms and building companies. We had a, a team that got together of about 20, 20 people or so that talked about the vision of Mission View Church. People, all different age groups that met with the architect and talked about the mission and the purpose and the vision of Mission View Church and what that would look like. And the architect took all of this information and created this amazing collage of, of who Mission View Church was and, and what we were purposed to do for the kingdom of God. And he de developed this plan. And then we put together a building team of a bunch of different people that, that engineers and different ideas and spoke into the, the building project and, and different things. And then we have a team of people doing all, all the different areas of, of this amazing building. And then and then we went to, to build, raise the funds to do this, and everyone coming together, working together to accomplish what God has planned for us and what he wants us to do. It takes everyone working together. We can't do what God has called us to do on our own. It takes a team. It takes a family. You know, we do um, baby dedications here, and one of the things I really enjoy about doing baby dedications is the the really important fact that it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes everyone. That we, we can, I don't know about you, but when you speak into your kids' lives and you, you try and share God's truth or you try and share experiences in your life to grow them and, and shape them, they hear it from you and, and sometimes it's in one ear and out the other. They don't always take it to heart. But you may have been saying something to your child for 10 years, and then they get into the youth ministry, and Andrew says it in the exact same words, and they say, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. My wife is laughing really loud at that, because that's, our, that's what we, we see. You know, we, our kids need to hear God's truth, not just from us, but from other believers, Right? They need to hear that, that God has worked miracles in my life, but God's worked miracles in your life and, and the experiences that you've had and the changes that God's done in you. They need to hear it from, from other people as well. It's just this, this reassuring and connecting truth that God is active and God is doing something amazing. But it, it, takes, it takes people. It takes a team of people. We're not to do this alone. Now, we came up with the idea of base camp from the idea around or analogy of summiting Mount Everest. 
that you have to create a base camp where people can acclimate to altitude and, and prepare and gather the team and, and wait for that specific moment to summit the peak and get to the top of Mount Everest. And uh, as I was studying that just a little bit more this past week, I went to one of the pictures of the first teams that went to summit Mount Everest. There was about 18 guys on this team. Now, here's the amazing thing. Of the 18 guys on the team, two of them were actual adventurers going to the summit. 16 of them were local um, Sherpas, guides, that would take them up to the summit. 18 people, two of them were guys that had never done it before and wanted to make it to the peak. The rest were Sherpas. That says something. That talks about the need that we have. That there are certain things in our lives that we're going to struggle with. There's different things in your life. There's things that God will allow to come into your life that are, are really, really difficult, really, really dangerous, that, that take courage and strength and four guys that are going to carry your cot. Four guys that are going to come alongside you, four ladies that are going to come alongside you and say, you know what, I've been there. Man, what you're facing right now may be one of the hardest things you're going to face in your life. And you know what? I, I've had something similar. Let me come alongside you. Let me grab a corner of the cot and let me walk with you through this. It happens with teamwork. You know, we were created to be in relationship. In fact, our, our Creator God exists in community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. We were created by a God that exists in community. We were created for community. Now this paralytic, man, these guys went all out, didn't they? I love this story. This is what I can, when I was younger and going to church, this is one of the, the, the first accounts of Jesus' ministry. I remember actually hearing in a pew at a church and hearing the pastor talk about it, how they, they cut a hole in the roof. Can you imagine that? If, just think if we were sitting here today and somebody started cutting a hole in the top of Hoover Hall and, and bringing somebody down on ropes or something. You have this, this these guys were crazy. Think about how, how, how crazy that is. But it just, it just an amazing thing happens when these four guys put their faith in God. And they went above and beyond. They were determined. They were not going to be put away, pushed aside. They were going to get their friend right in front of Jesus. Now, in this world, there's two things that we can do with our time. We talk about investing in the kingdom. We talk about working towards God's best for us together. There's two different things we can do with our time, talents, and treasures. We can consume or we can create. Now we're either consuming, we're watching, absorbing the gifts and work of others, or we're creating, using our time, talents, and treasures for others, investing what God has given us into the kingdom work that God's called us to. Now as Christians, we are meant, get this, we're meant to consume and create. We, to, we are to go to God and consume His Word, to meditate on Him, to just let Him permeate our lives with who He is, what He's done, the truths of, of His Word. And then we're supposed to let that 
come out of us to other people around us, that we would be a people that spend time with God, reflecting on His Word, praying, fasting, spending time with Him, so much so that it just overflows out of our lives and into the things that God has called us to do. What has God called you to do? As we consume His Word, as we spend time with Him, and He changes us, what has God called you to do with that? You know, we talk, talk about sports. You know, there's guys that sit at the bench and watch the game, right? Here's, here's the reality. In Christianity, there's no bench. In Christianity, there's no dugout. In Christianity, everyone plays a part. Everyone has a God job. And you can attend church and come and sit and, or stand and sing some songs and sit and listen to a sermon and then go your merry way. You can do that. But the Christian faith is a faith that is active and working and doing. And God has specifically gifted you for this moment, for this place, and for this time. And for this body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. The gifts that, you, that God has, has given you are not yours and are not for you. They are His and they are meant for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now that's, that's something to really take into account. God has gifted you. And He has gifted you for the people sitting beside you, in front of you, and behind you. Just look around this room real quick. Look to your left. Look to your right. I do this every once in a while. It's super awkward, and I get it. Nobody wants to do it. Don't make eye contact. Work real quick, right? But that person you just looked at, that's the reason God has gifted you. The gifts he's given are for the church, for one another. And if you're not using the gifts that God's giving you, given you, You're shorting the church. The purpose that God has set for you. You have a responsibility. I always think of the Spider-Man scene, right? With great power comes great responsibility. No, no Spider-Man fans here? No, right? right? Right, yeah. A few of us, right? No, with great power comes great responsibility. And we're not talking about Spider-Man, some fictional character. We're talking about our very creator, God, who has given you gifts for his kingdom. And with that, response, that, with that great power, that, with the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts he's given you, come great responsibility. And I, I always share this as if it's a win-win or a lose-lose. Because when you're using the gifts that God has given you, you are blessing his church and you are growing and being sanctified in and of yourself. It is a win-win. You grow, you change, and God's church is blessed. Win-win. If you're just sitting on the sidelines, it is a lose-lose. You are not growing. You are stagnant and you are declining. And the church isn't benefiting from the gifts that God has given you. You have a responsibility. And God is calling you out. He is calling you out to use the gifts that God has given you. Grab a corner of the cot. Grab a corner of the cot. I almost brought the video in. I didn't want it to be a distraction. I almost brought the video in. If, if you've seen this, there's a, 
a soccer player who gets injured. I think he gets kicked in the head or kneed in the head, and he's down. And they send out the cot guys. But here's the mistake. They only send two guys. So they have him on, on this cot, and there's the one guy at his head and one guy's at his feet, and they're trying to run him off the field, and he keeps kneeing him in the head. No joke. And then he drops him multiple times. It's a hilarious and terrible video. But it's so true. So many people are being carried by two people, and they're getting kneed in the head, and they're getting dropped on the field. They have a concussion, and they're getting kneed in the head and dropped on the field. Because some people aren't using the gifts and talents that God has given them. What are you doing with your time, talents, and treasures? God, I'm telling you, God has something amazing for you to do with your time, talents, and treasures. There is no bench. There is no sidelines. God has a job for you. And if you're not using it, if you're not doing it, it's a lose-lose. And someone's paying a price. If you're doing it, it's a win-win. I love the, the, the new opportunity that God has given us with Reflect Ministries. I had the, this little card here. It says, reflecting God's love in a practical way, I'm praying for you. It's these little cards we have available out there. This is something every single one of us can do. I mean, a preschooler can do this, can take this to their teacher and say, I'm praying for you. That is how easy this is. This is just, there's going to be so many different things. I think we're packing bags that we're going to be giving away today. Is it today? This after church today? There's so many things. Just, if you're, if you're just questioning, you're like, well, I hear you, Pastor, but I just don't know what to do. Now you know what to do. It, it is that simple. There's so many different areas that you can use your gifts and talents and treasures for God's kingdom. Children's ministry, the, the tech team, the... The, you know, just tons of different ways. We have the, um, the food ministry outreach, and Josh, I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting the name of North Canton Cares Pantry that happens at the Summit Church we partner with. So um, anyways, so many different things. Use the gifts that God's given you. The second thing I want to kind of pull out of the text we read in this account in the second filling is this, that Jesus knows exactly what you need. Jesus knows exactly what you need. Now, in this account, these four guys cut a hole in a roof and drop their friend down in front of Jesus, and he's paralyzed. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Now, pretend we didn't read the story. Say I get up to this point of the story. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Be healed. Get up and walk. Dudes just cut a hole in the ceiling and drop a paralyzed guy in front of Jesus. And I, you know, all of us, like, we're on the edge of our seat. We're waiting for it. We're waiting for it. We're like, Jesus is going to heal. This guy's going to be awesome. What's he say? Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, if we read this story and we're looking at this, you're like, Jesus, don't you even see what's going on? Dude is paralyzed. You know, forgiven sins, awesome. That's great. But, uh, I think uh, that's not what they were looking for. Have you ever been in, I mean, a desperate place? I mean, you were down and out. You didn't have the strength for tomorrow. You didn't have the endurance to, go to, to even go to God in prayer. You were done. You were empty. You were abandoned. And you were, it was it. You were at the end of your rope. 
you couldn't even get up and walk. And you're just like, that, that's, you know, you, you got to that point where you're doing that, that amazing, deep, supernatural prayer that we've all prayed at one time in our lives. Oh, God. And that's all that comes out. Oh, God. And you're looking for that answer. You're, you're, looking, you're looking for that, I, I, just, I just need to be able to get up and walk. <laughs> I, I just need that. That's what I'm praying for. Lord, if you could just, this is what I need. I mean, we, you pray for, Lord, give me patience. Lord, I need patience. Give me patience. And he gives you a teenager. Right? Uh, right? We're at that point. You're like, Lord, I, I need patience. And what we're thinking is that God's going to do his God thing, and he's going to snap his fingers, and it's going to be like, I am perfectly patient by the power of God. I walk in great patience because God has given me this perfect patience. No. No, he gives you a colicky baby. That's what he does. He gives you teenagers that listen to everything the youth pastor says and nothing you say. You see, Jesus doesn't always immediately give us what we want. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we want at all. Jesus, in his godness, gives us what we need. And this is an amazing thing that Jesus does here. There's there are so many layers of powerful truth in this statement that Jesus gives. One of the first layers of truth that is in this is that in Bible times, especially throughout the, all of the Old Testament and a lot of into the New Testament times, any type of sickness or paralyzation was tied to sin. It made, made me re remember the story of Job. Do you guys remember the story of Job? And um, he's like sick. He's lost everything. And his like his best friends <laughs> come to him and like, man, what did you do? <sighs> what sin, hidden sin, is in your life? We all need friends like that, right? <laughs> that, that, those aren't the guys carrying the cot. Those are the guys like dropping you and kicking you while you're down, right? That's not the kind of guys we want, right? But no. Th so there was this there was this belief or understanding that. Any sickness, any paralyzation, anything like that was tied to unrepentant sin or just sin in the person's life. So Jesus, knowing that the scribes were sitting there, these religious leaders and very highly respected men were sitting there, instead of saying, get up and walk, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now get this, he says your sins are forgiven and the guy doesn't get up and walk. That's big news. That's huge. Your sins are forgiven. He doesn't get up and walk. And Jesus, being God in the moment, pulling on that deity, reads their minds. They didn't say it out loud, but it's written in Scripture. Let that sink in for a second. He's blaspheming. Who's he think he is? He reads their minds and he says, What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. And it says, I love a different translation. It could be translated this way. Now you should know. 
Now you should know I'm the Messiah. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Jesus, there's, there's so much truth here. Jesus is going to give us what we need, not always what we want. He is, he is so profoundly concerned with the journey that he's willing to watch us struggle through it with him. He's going to give us things that we can't handle without his Holy Spirit. He's going to take us to the point, he's going to take us to the brink. And the whole time, he, he is, his spirit is going to encourage us and equip us and walk with us. And through the tears and the struggle, he just is God in our midst. I've said it this way before. God's more concerned. Jesus is more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness. God is more concerned about our growth than our ease of life. And he wants to change us and grow us. And he's willing to, to, to kind of put us out there and watch us grow. It's, it's so much like um, being a parent and watching our kids move out of the house, right? It's so much like being a parent and, and watching our kids go off and get married. And you're just like terrified, right? Because marriage is hard. Any, anybody ever experienced that? Marriage is hard. Let me just say it, right? You know, it's difficult living with, you know, I would say, you put two sinners under one roof, what do they do? They sin against each other, right? And, and the forgiveness happens, and you have this, this, this really difficult thing. But as parents, you know, the leave and cleave principle from, from scriptures, that they are to leave their parents' home and cleave to one another. And, but us as parents, we're like, you know, we want to go to their house. How you doing? How are things going? And, you know, come over for dinner every night and, 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 you know, all this different things. But God wants us to let them go. And they're going to have to experience some tough stuff. They're human beings. They're going to go through it. We let them go through it. And we're a sounding board and, and counselors at times when they come to us and Letting them go. Jesus wants us to grow. I've said he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And he's, he's willing to let us experience those difficult things of life. But he's with us in every step. He's with us through every tear that's shed. And he loves us that much. Jesus knows exactly what we need. And sometimes it's not get up and walk right away. Sometimes it's your sins are forgiven. And then it's the journey and the growth that God wants in our lives. Have you ever experienced that in your life? I know I have. It's, it's really, it is really, really hard to get to that point, to get to the brink, to that, that point of emptiness and frustration and struggle, and have God say, not yet. I know what you want. I know the desperation that you're in. I'm just not done yet. I mean, we get to that point in that the reality of life and the rubbers meeting the road and we're on the floor weeping. And God says, mm -mm, not yet. I remember when um, 
I started working at EUM Church in Greenville, Ohio. And uh, the pastor there was a, a dear friend of mine, wonderful, wonderful man of the Lord. His name is Bill, Bill Lyle. And um, I had traveled as uh, a worship leader, a recording artist for many years. In his church in Greenville, Ohio, I would stop at about once or twice a year, sometimes three times a year, lead worship and do special music for them. And Bill was just so wonderful, phenomenal preacher and wonderful man of God. And um, every time I would go and do special music for them or a concert, he'd always try and hire me. You know, and it, I would always say no, but one time I, I said yes. And so I went on staff with him, and it was just amazing. He let me preach from the pulpit. He shared all types of great things with me, and, and I, I felt like it was one of those times in your life where you're just growing exponentially, and you're on mission with other people for God, and you're, you're watching, you know, people come to Christ. We had one baptism service where we baptized 42 people that we had led to the Lord. It was like phenomenal things that God was doing, and, um, and I remember it was less than a year he comes into staff meeting, and he says, um, I'm moving to Columbus. I was like, what? I, I was like, we are, <laughs> we are making so much headway for the kingdom. You can't leave. I, this is, it was like personal growth and amazing, just God stuff going on and the relationship we, we had together. And then just amazing growth in the kingdom for, for like uh, the community that God was doing. And I was distraught. I was like, what are you doing? How could you, you know, you can't have a lead pastor leave the church when we're, we have all this momentum. And I was, I was in tears. I was in tears, broken. And I, and I was just like, God, you've got to, because pastors are itinerant in the Methodist church, so the bishops move them. So I was praying. I was like, God, you've got to change the bishop's mind on this. This is wrong. You can't do this. And I was just distraught. And I was praying and praying and praying. And God didn't answer what I thought. Jeff Harper was our new pastor and was installed as a new pastor a month later. And praise God for Jeff Harper. All <laughs> right? I'm, I was praying so much that Bill Lyle would stay. And God's up there going, no, I'm in tears praying against God's will. Right? And God brings Jeff Harper to EUM. And wow. Bill Lyle's great pastor, wonderful, we're great friends, but Jeff Harper was the man that God wanted for, for EUM Church at that time. And we saw God do phenomenal things in the ministry, and, and Jeff is a dear friend of mine today. You see, we don't see the end. I always say that we make our plans in pencil, God makes his plans in pen. God sits on his throne on high in eternity, knowing the beginning and the end. And we make our plans, and we have these ideas, and, and we work hard, and we, we use our experiences, and we use statistics, and we strategize, and we work towards all of these different things, and we think we've got a really great plan set together. And we're just like, this is it. This is as good as it gets. And God takes his big eraser, and he just starts going like this to our plan, and then he writes it out in pen. And we're just like, no, no, I don't accept this. And we turn into that two-year-old temper tantrum. And we're crying on the floor saying, no, this isn't what I want. And God says, yes, this is what you need. 
and he grows us and he changes us. But it's, man, it's, it's on like that difficult place, right, of hearing the word no or not yet that the rubber meets the road in our Christianity. What do we do in those moments? I want to give you some hope for those moments because you may be in one of those moments right now. The first thing is this. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. You follow me on that? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Here's what we know to do. Come to church and hear God's word and sing as loud as you can in worship. Pour out your heart to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Go to your community group. Share what's going on in your life. Run to Jesus. Because you know what? You need four guys at the corner of your cot. You need four guys or four girls at the corner of your cot. Run to Jesus with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Three, pray. Pray, 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 and pray. Don't stop praying. On your knees, in the tears, at work, at home, in the shower, on the road, driving down the road, with your eyes open. Pray, 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 and pray. And don't just sing worship to God here on Sunday mornings. Sing worship to God at home. Sing it on the road to work. Play it on your stereo in the car. Sing praises to God. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And meet God in those moments. Run to him. Because Jesus is going to give you what you need. And that's the good news. The hard news is it may not be what you want. But in the end, God sees eternity. God sees the end. It's going to be amazing and better than anything you ever prayed for. The last thing as we close today is this in our text. Our testimony is a witness to the world. Our testimony is a witness to the world. It's a testimony of the work and power of God. But there's different responses that we're going to face. And that's really what we see here in, in this account with the paralytic too, right? Jesus forgives this guy's sins, tells him to get up and walk, and there's, there's two different responses. The scribes, the religious leaders of the time, are calling him a blasphemer, a heretic. The words that they use there would actually mean that he should be stoned to death, taken to the city gates and stoned to death. That's what they were thinking. This guy needs to be put down. That's what they were thinking. But the other people who watched what Jesus did, they were in awe. In fact, like if we did a direct translation from the Greek, it would mean their minds were blown. They were ecstatic. That's a, the direct translation of the Greek word, ecstasis, uh, the Greek word, it's ecstatic. They were ecstatic with what Jesus had done. It says that they had seen something they had never, they had never seen anything like it before. Their minds were blown. So you have one group of people who witnessed the power and work of Jesus, and they're just like, blasphemer. This guy needs to be put down. 
And then you have other people that witness the power in the work of Jesus, and their minds are blown. They're like, they are ecstatic. They're going out. They're like telling everyone, did you see what happened? You have to hear this story of what happened, what Jesus did. This guy was preaching. He was teaching. These guys cut a hole in the roof. They bring him down. Jesus forgives his sins, man. It's amazing. And then he calls out the religious leaders. He like read their minds. He tells them what they're thinking. And then he heals them. And he tells them, get up and walk. They were ecstatic. What do ecstatic people do, right? They're, they're just at the, you know, just going crazy, right? And that's what they were doing. What do, what do we do when we witness and experience the power and the presence of God in our lives? What do we do with that? I know for me, when I first met Christ, when Jesus came into my life, my mind was blown. My, I was ecstatic. To come to the realization that God, the creator of the universe, would even consider me, the wretched man that I am, the sinner that I am, all the things that I had done that were wrong, all the thoughts and awful things that I had in my head over the years, over the decades, that God would even consider me, not just consider me, but that he would send his only son to die in my place, to take the punishment for my sin, and then, and then rise from the dead, conquering sin and death for me in my place. I was, my mind was blown. I don't deserve that. There's there nothing in my life that merited that kind of grace, that kind of mercy. There's nothing. I didn't get it. I was like, does not compute. This does not compute. How could you do this for me? I was ecstatic. I was telling everybody. I was like, if God can change me like this, he could do anything. If he's forgiven me for all of the wretched and horrible things that I've done, he, he can forgive anyone. His forgiveness is powerful enough for anyone. I got to tell everybody about this i got to tell everyone about this. To be honest with you, that's why I'm a pastor today, because I get to share this with you now. Like, that's the power of the work of God in our lives. But over time, God, you know, does more things in our lives, but it doesn't quite have the impact. Or yes, I met, met Christ, and it was so powerful, and I was ecstatic. My mind was blown by those things, you know, 30 years ago. Now it's like, you know, God's good. That's good. And that's great. But, but it, loses, it loses that edge, that, that passion that, that we experience when we first experience that grace and mercy that God let into our lives. And here's, here's a key to this passion continuing in our lives, is that we are, as a people, as Christians, fully dependent on God to continually reveal the supernatural, powerful work that he's done in our lives at salvation, but continues to do in our lives through sanctification. That the power of God to save you was amazing, but that same power that has saved you is the same power that is changing you today. And we look at our lives in this slow, progressive change that God does in our lives, and we lose that ecstasia or ecstasy or this amazing change that God does because we see it slow and incremental. It's like watching your children grow, right? 
you know, you're with them every day, and, and you can kind of see the growth. But when they go to the friend's house that you only see once a year, or they see that, that aunt or uncle they only see at Christmas and Easter, they look at your kids and like, oh my gosh, little Timmy's grown two feet. And you're like, oh yeah, 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 he's, he's kind of grown. Their minds are blown. They're looking, they're looking at, so, you know, little Timmy, and they're like, that's amazing. I can't believe how big he is. And you're just like, well, duh. I see him every day, right? What we're dependent on, what you and I are desperate for, is God to be God. Because that same passion, that same ecstasy, that same mind-blown thing didn't happen because it was a first time. It happened because God revealed himself to you. And you know what? God wants to continue to reveal the depths, the breadth, the power of who he is every single day. We are to be a people so connected with God that he is changing us and we are being passionate and excited about that change every single day. It's going to him. Like we talked about, just soaking in his word, his truth, his power, his might. It's directing our conversations with our brothers and sisters in Christ at community group about the work that he's doing even now in your life. When you're going out to breakfast with your your Christian friends, taking that time, that conversation to talk about God's word and the excitement that is in his word and how he's growing you and growing you in the knowledge of him. I remember I was having breakfast with my, my mentor. It's been about a year ago, but this breakfast was different than any other breakfast. He opens up the word. He goes to the book of Isaiah, and he begins to read to me from Isaiah. He says, this is my sermon for this weekend. He gets halfway through this chapter in Isaiah and just begins to bawl, just starts bawling. And he's talking about his, his sermon and how Isaiah connects the prophecy about Christ connects to the cross. And he starts to give me his sermon. He says, this is what God's revealing to me right now in my life with this truth. And he starts to share that truth. And I start to cry. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, that God is, is, has thought of, of Christ dying for our sins thousands of years before he comes, hundreds of years before he's come. He's prophesied about that he would die for Matt specifically. That this, this, this book has so many amazing things in it about the truths of God that are supernatural, that go beyond time and tell the future and prophesy the things to come, that God was that specific about Jesus and me and you. This guy's been a, he's getting ready to retire. He's been a preacher for forever. And he's opening God's word and weeping at the pancake house as we look at God's word. You see, we as a people are dependent on God to come and reveal himself to us. So as we open God's word, I would encourage you to pray, God, before I read anything in here, I pray by the power of your spirit, you would make this real to me right now. Reveal the truths of who you are. Open my eyes to a deeper understanding that as I read this, I would be changed because that's what he says it will do. That his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it cuts even down into the marrow of who we are. God, let it take root in my life. 
deeper and deeper, further and further, closer and closer to who he is. Mission view, that's what God is calling us to. He's calling to that ecstasy, that ecstasy of knowing our creator, that our minds will be continually blown by who he is and what he's done. Only he can do it. Only he can do that. So as you read his word and you're moved by his power, as you pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ and you're moved by his presence, know this, that is the Holy Spirit God at work in your life. And take it for what it is. The creator God active in your life. And that's something to be excited about. That's something to be passionate about. And we just overlook it over and over again. That's what God wants to do in our lives. So I, I want us to be a church that is, is going and running after God. We want to know him more. Can I get an amen? amen. That just, if you're new to church, that just means I agree. You know, you can say, yeah, Matt, woohoo. That's what that means, you know. But that's who we want to be, running after Jesus. Let's be that kind of people. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We look at this account in Jesus' ministry and we see these four men who were so determined and wanted their friend to, to be healed by Jesus. Cutting holes in a roof and lowering them down. Father, we, we pray that you would make us that kind of people. That we would walk beside one another that we would encourage one another, that we would grab a corner of that cot. Not just for our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, but for our neighbors, for those who don't know you, those whose sins need to be forgiven, those who need to be healed. Father, we pray that, that we would come alongside them and bring them to you, Father, that we would be a witness of the power and the work that you do in our lives. Make us a people that, that seek out to do your will, not our own. Help us to work as a team that we would reach the 200,000 with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. A people on mission for you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. May it change us today and forever. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand as we close this song today. Oh, you know what? I had one more thing I wanted to share. There you go. I wasn't looking at my notes. I was preaching too much. I want to give you, I want to give you three ways you can share the good news, right? And, uh, and God's love. The first one is this, and I think it should be on the screens too. Sorry about that. The first one is this. Get involved. You can stand for the song too. Let's take a second. Get involved in Reflect Ministry. We talked about that. Be loading bags today, but there's a bunch of things you can do there. To share what God is doing in your life with a coworker, family member, neighbor, or friend, and invite them to church. And third, ask if they have anything that you can pray for for them. And let them know that you do pray for them. Three practical things you can do to share God's love, show God's love in a practical way this week. So let's do that, all right? Okay, let's sing that song. Sorry about that.